Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Fuck You Mentality. Um, today, I have a really cool guest on here who started off as a guest of mine, and she found me through social media. Honestly, the power of social media is pretty fucking awesome. But not every day you get to click with somebody like this. Not every day do you feel this relationship with people. Um, I often don't like to mix business with personal, and I've spoken about that before. I think it's really important to keep the two separate, but there are just some relationships that you you kind of just can't avoid. You know, you know, there's not every day that you can create safety with people. There's not every day that you actually find somebody who is very relatable. Um, yes, this person is started off as a client, and I, I honestly would consider her a friend at this point. I mean, I think from our first appointment, she was more of a friend of, friend of mine than she was an actual guest. Um, we always have some wild conversations and our conversations are never about how our day is going. It's about spirituality and where are we mentally, like how are we feeling is the trauma and, you know, manifesting in us, like all that shit, you know? So without further ado, please introduce yourself. Who the hell are you? What's, what, what are we doing here today? <laughs> hello. Hello. Um, happy to be here. My name is Marcella Kroll and I'm an artist and a hereditary medium and a performer and um i do a bunch of different things artist creator um and i'm yeah the host of save by the spell which is my podcast and my business professional business name so mm -hmm. yeah i do a few things i make tarot cards oracle cards i write books about uh and do classes that teach you to connect with your magic I also teach tarot for teens with the Los Angeles Public Library. Um, been, there's been a lot going on, uh, you know, for some time now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is my full-time work. I do readings and I make things. So Yeah, I like that. That's pretty, sure, pretty self-explanatory. You do readings right. and you make things. Yeah, I, I mean, that's readings. Pretty... I make things. I like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm autistic. Uh, oh, that's the other. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always like to just, I don't know, like, I really um, don't. I got diagnosed in 2019. And also, like, I don't believe that you need to be professionally diagnosed, but although I was. Um, but I really like, re like owning it now mm -hmm. in my life, now that I know what it is, you know, my operating system runs differently. Yeah. Mm. I, um, I want to touch base on that because I think that was like one of the first things that I, like we talked about, like when I, when I first met you, like, or we had a virtual conversation like, consultation and like right off the bat, whatever, I think it was like halfway through whatever you're like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I have autism. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yes. Sick. You know, yeah. I, I didn't really think anything of it because I was like, all right, sick. Like, that's awesome. Um, but how you just said it yourself, like you put a name to it. So it's kind of cool that you understand, like, you know, you're just, you just do things a little bit differently than everybody else. Um, but you've made it a superpower. <laughs> I like to think of it as a superpower. And I also want to like to be, you know, we live in a neurotypical world where the world, like the majority caters to neurotypicals and, there are more and more people that um, are on the spectrum and it is a spectrum. So it's very like, I just want to be more part of that representation of showing people that it looks differently for everyone. You can't look autistic, you know, no. like that's a weird thing that people are like, well, you don't look autistic, um, which is just super rude, but um, 
you know, I also, I think it's a big part of my journey and why I work for myself and the way I've learned how to work and take care of myself. And, um, it is my superpower. I like to think of it as, as definitely, um, an asset. Um, and it's just like a park with existing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see, and I firmly believe that because I think, yeah, in a world of more typicals, you know, why this is going to sound, it might, this might come off as like brash, but like in a world of like normalcy, like why be normal, you know, Mm -hmm. quote unquote normal, you know, Mm -hmm. not everyone embraces their, I guess themselves. So I think that this is super awesome that you're like, you know what? I fucking like who I am and I'm a little bit autistic and that's pretty cool. And I think, well, and I think it's like, it's important to, you know, I was so like shamed and, and beaten down at a young age to not be myself that, you know, I learned to mask and basically parrot, you know, everyone else around me to be acceptable, but it didn't last. It wouldn't last for very long. You know, like I couldn't keep up the facade and it, it, it led me to a lot of like, you know, more than discomfort, but dangerous, like escapist behaviors and, um, you know, just self-harm, whether it was through abusing alcohol or drugs or things like that, because I was in such pain about who I was because, um, nobody could tell me like, it was interesting. You get praised, right? Like I would get praised for certain things that, you know, and then called weird in the next breath, you know? So it's like, and also just like, I could be, and I still struggle with this today where I was just telling a friend, it's like, how can I be so like smart about certain things? And then so naive and trusting, um, and taking what people are saying is true, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's been a wild journey, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Self-enlightening, self-enlightening. Yeah. Self-enlightening is like we kind of said earlier is not linear, you know, and that whole journey to loving yourself is not linear. Um, and sometimes it requires these like really kind of harsh realizations, you know, maybe, you know, you being picked on as a child has obviously deterred you from being okay with that. But then one day it just kind of is like, Hey, deal with it. Like, this is just who you are. And yeah. I, I totally, I, I, I sympathize with that because I have wild ADHD and I knew I did, but I just didn't like deal with it. Yeah. And I was diagnosed last, last year before I moved here. And I did that on purpose because I knew, like, I, I knew I need, I needed something. I needed something to kind of reel me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. I got wild ass ADHD. I use that shit to my advantage. I am cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's- Well, that, and I think then you have to go through, you know, when you start to discover more of who you are authentically, mm-hmm. you have to grieve the parts of you that you didn't allow to come forward you know, mm-hmm. and you have to grieve and hold a little bit of space for the sadness that you might have for the times where you didn't get the support because you didn't have the knowledge or the information, mm-hmm. you know, like I think about how many times I berated myself or was so cruel to myself because I thought I was broken 
Right. And I was so horrible to me. Like I would be worse to myself than anyone else could, because then you couldn't have power over me if I was already shitty to myself. Mm-hmm. So then I had to grieve a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. I wonder what life would have been like if I actually had support um, around my needs being met mm-hmm. in that way. And it can be painful to think back at like missed opportunities, lost potential. Um, I mean, life is going to turn out the way it's going to turn out, but sometimes I go, wow, I wonder what would have happened if I was encouraged when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know? And that's always like, makes me a little sad, mm-hmm. but it's why I do what I do now. And I try to make it a point to encourage others if they have a spark and I see it because I want to be, and I always say this and I, it's why I do everything I do is because I want to be the person I wish was there for me growing up. So. I, I wholeheartedly understand that and being that person that you wish you had to help you. Um, And I feel like I have this conversation often with entrepreneurs, people that are self-made people that are a part of this world. Because nine times out of 10, the driving factor isn't necessarily like a, I wouldn't say it's not a positive thing, but it usually stems from pain or hurt or grief or whatever. But you did say that you, you do some stuff for teens. Now it kind of like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is totally where this is coming from. You know, why do you do that? Like, why do you have this specific segment for teens? Well, it's interesting because there's a couple of things that are simultaneously happening at this time. And, um, my work, you know, a lot, it stemmed from survival. That's where it came, came from. Um, it never was intentionally meant to be a business. Um, I was literally homeless, uh, in LA. I was homeless in LA three different times. And in 2009, I filed bankruptcy and I was working in a coffee shop and I started doing readings additionally for, um, money for meals. Like I would trade things like that. Um, and it literally was for survival and I had been doing them, you know, really reluctantly for years before that, but like, I never wanted to do it for a living. It felt really, um, intense and I felt a lot of shame around it. And, um, I didn't understand, you know, uh, but it was the only thing I knew how to do. And at the time I, d- I had like a GED. I didn't, you know, I it was like, I don't have any skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I had worked at the public library, the LA public library as a messenger clerk um, in 2007. And then in 2008, they had a bunch of layoffs and they could not transfer my job when I moved across town. So I left, but they were like, would you ever want to present an intro to tarot class for the teens? This was at the branch that I used to work at. I was like, ah, no one's going to want that. And they were like, nah, the, the young adult library. And there was like, I think they would want it. I said, all right, fine. I'll do it. So I did it. 
I did a presentation. I made a little board. I was like, uh, okay, I've never yeah. done this before. Um, but it went over really well. And they were like, you know, we're going to put this in as a proposal to the main, like, like branch, and it will go into the system if you want us to. And then other branches could have you come out. So that was in 2008 and I've been doing it since then. Holy shit. Yeah. And it started off with like a few, three, four times a year. And then now it's like even up to like 12 times a year at all the different LA, I've been to pretty much almost every branch. I think I've been to every branch throughout the 12 year or 14 years now. Um, But this is really intense because this is the first time I'm going to be sharing this. I actually submitted my resignation two days ago uh, via email, but so they're getting that this week and it's not because, and this is a hard thing when you're also making big choices and big decisions and you work for yourself and you need to make space. This program has changed my life beyond measure because when I was a teen, I was so lost and in pain and sad and had no one to turn to. And I was like in a really toxic environment. You know, um, my mother is really abusive and then I would live with my grandmother and like, you know, and then I was on my own at 16. Um, and I was always really aware and sensitive, but I was shutting it down because a lot of the stuff scared me, the things I was feeling, seeing. Um, so I numbed out with drugs and alcohol and had a real big problem. And I overdosed and went to rehab and dove started diving into tarot and astrology to figure out what was wrong with me. Um, anyway, no one was there for me as a teen and to be able to be approachable to be not to be an adult, but not be your parent or relative to be that safe person. Um, if the kids have questions or are exploring and just, just want to be heard and seen. And that's why I do it, you know? And so somebody like, well, why would you stop doing it? Um, it's been interesting too. It's like over the years, different people have tried to go into the library to like usurp me to like take over, to do it or offer it. And the library's like, we have someone <laughs> Cause people don't realize it's also like, it's a big responsibility. And also like you're working with kids, like mm-hmm. you can't mess around here. Mm-hmm. And so I've built a relationship of trust with the, with this institution and with the kids and the parents of the children. Um, and now I'm trying this leap of faith and it's, a lot has pushed me out of my current situation. I left LA a year ago. I'm in Long Beach now. Um, it's harder to get up and around. We've been doing Zoom virtual groups, but we're going to start doing in-persons. So I am going to teach a bit in July and August, but I put my resignation in that I want that after September, I'm no longer available. I did put in some recommendations for a few people that I think are really good compatibility wise, and they would be who I would want to go see if I was a teen. But why I I feel like I need to make 
a giant leap of faith and create space. And I can't do that if I have my energy on hold and plugged into a place that like, I don't know if I want to be here, meaning like staying in Southern California. Right. And, um, and I also have like, I got a, I've, I got a publishing deal. So mm. this is also closing, um, a journey of self-publishing my own decks for the last nine years. So now I have a publisher and they've also given me a deal to write a book. So I can't do readings and write a book and teach and do all the things. Cause I'm one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're not just doing your one job, you're doing everything. You're doing your social media, you're doing your marketing, you're doing your, your bills, your upkeep, your everything, like everything, everything, everything. And I have no one at home to help me. I'm a single person and I only got like my agent this year. And that's been a huge blessing, but, um, like no one's here helping me out in the day to day. So yeah, it's been, it's been bittersweet. Um, having to like say goodbye to this particular chapter of teaching. Um, but I'm not done teaching. I'm just done with this particular pathway mm-hmm. for the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Hey, well, thank you for sharing that. Cause that's, that's huge. You know that you're right. Like that's a huge part of your journey. I mean, fuck, that's like your whole journey, you know, of, of where you are right now. And just to kind of touch base, of course, I know Marcella's story because we've talked about it, but just the, the come up, you know, to come from, you know, absolutely nothing to a position where you're in this, in this role where, you have to, you have, you get to delegate, you get to delegate where you want to put your time. And you built that. I mean, I think rather quickly, I think just from, well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like success is of course, like it's, it's different for everybody. And I think everyone likes to put success into this like really tight threshold of, you know, you have to be successful overnight. But I mean, just even from when I've met you to now, yeah, I've seen a huge growth spurt, you know, and I've only yeah. known you not long, you know? Right. Yeah. No. And I think, I think it, it's been a journey and, you know, sometimes I do fall into the trap of comparing and I see people who have like way less experience, whether it's like as a reader or even life experience, like getting like recognition and blue check marks and fame and like, but, but an ultimately And like, they, they rise and burn out really fast. And I've definitely had moments of like, am I going to, am I burning out here? And I've had to take long, like leaves of absences where I like, okay, I have to take a month off or I have to go do this. Um, But I've never basically been full-time as a reader since 2009. And, you know, I've worked straight through the pandemic. I've worked since then. And, and then people will be like, well, you live a really, like you live a really bougie, like lavish life. And I'm like, you get to see what I share with you. You don't see all of it. And while I do share a lot of the hard parts too, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
it, it's so curated, right? Most of the stuff online. Um, and there are things that I don't share online and intentionally, like I do, sh- I share so much that you think I'm sharing everything, but I, I actually, then there'll be a lot that people are like, wait, when were you doing this? Or when did that happen? I'm like, I will let you know when I want you to know something. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the only kind of sanity way of managing my sanity is to have some sort of privacy to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I, and I feel like sometimes it feels like it's been so long. Like I've, I've seen people get deals and their decks and all of these things for, you know, and like I said, I've been doing it for nine years and it's taken me nine years where, you know, but honestly, it's, I don't think I've ha- I would have it any other way. Like, I don't think I could have appreciated the opportunities that I'm seeing now. Like, right. I wouldn't have known how to accept them. I was too wounded myself. Um, and I still have trust issues with accepting. And, um, and also just like sidebar, I also like found out because I was adopted when I was five. I found out my biological grandmother on my father's side was a, um, a tarot reader at Woodstock and a medium. And, and her mother, she was in an institution because her mother was uh, a seer and she was institutionalized. She had my grandmother there. So without knowing there's also this like genetic connection and also a mistrust. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think my fear of people and like the witch wound around being mistrust, like misjudged or demonized because of how we see or feel into the world. That's also prevented me from, I would say, being more loose with opportunities or like fiery going after them because I haven't felt safe to do that. Right. And so I want to touch base on the fact that it's in your bloodline. So something that Marcelo and I were talking about, which is why we're like, oh my God, we have to do podcasts about this. We often get ourselves in these positions where we, you know, we put up a facade because it's what society wants us to do. And like, we always do the things that we don't end up actually enjoying and it always falls short, but there's always this one side of you that is always there that you don't lean into because you didn't feel safe about it because you didn't create your own safety with it. It's because you compare yourself to other people and it's this whole thing comes full circle. It's incredible, but you know, you don't feel safe in it. And then time and time again, you get put in these situations where it falls short and you always fall back on that one thing. Mm. And to kind of correlate how you're saying that your paternal grandmother was a reader, you then had to file bankruptcy. You needed extra cash. What did you do? You fell back on a reading, Yeah, you know, and it time and time and time again, life likes to put you in these positions when you're not listening to, you know, what your purpose is or like your calling or any of that stuff is, it has this really funny way of being like, Hey, bestie, I'm here again to to save your ass. Oh yeah. Lean into it. Um, now I, I kind of, I kind of understand like why you leaned into it. Cause you like, you just knew it worked. What was like your aha moment when you were like, okay, I'm, I think I'm going to take this full time. Like, I think I need to do this. Well, honestly, it was kicking and screaming. I mean, it, 
it was, I'll tell you a trigger warning. I mean, cause this is a little intense. Um, so in 2009, I, at that point, I think it was 33. Um, and I just like, couldn't, I had lost, I had worked a retail job, mm-hmm. um, and I got fired and I had not, um, that's what kickstarted it. Right. I got, I got fired in 2008. That's what it was. I got fired in 2008. Um, first and only time I've ever been fired because I I was told it wasn't the right vibe anymore. (laughs) There was a lot of sketchy stuff. Anyway, I, um, went on this spiral of, you know, having these different jobs. I worked at the library. Like I mentioned, I was doing readings, um, in, 2009, I filed bankruptcy, but I was like losing every ounce of will to live that I had. And I, um, I started seeing, uh, he's funny. He's like, I'm a rioter. I'm like, he's a drug dealer. Um, (laughs) yeah. And I relapsed on drugs and, um, and I was hanging out with this guy and, it was just uh, destruction, like self-destruction, like, and I remember after a particular long night of partying and being like wrecked off, like off of, out of my mind, looking over at this person and he reached out to hold my hand and he wasn't like an affectionate person. And I, saw his face. Like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm hallucinating. He looked like a demon. And then he went back to his face and I, I fled. And I was like, I, if I hold that person's hand, I'm done. I fled his condo in the Hollywood Hills and I drove, he chased after me. I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. And I jumped in my car and I, it was the only possession I had because I'd been staying on friends' couches and, or in my car. And, um, I tried to drive my car into a tree on, uh, Franklin Avenue, right in front of the Scientology celebrity center. (laughs) And as I hit the curb, my car, like a cartoon bounced off of the sidewalk, misses the tree. And then like a cartoon buggy pops back onto Franklin and keeps me driving off. I drove to my friend's house, which is really funny because before we got on this call, she was texting me about me being oh my gosh. Else, this is the same person. Same person. Holy shit. She, same person from my phone call earlier. She texts me and she's like, you can go here. Like you can, I was at, so I went to her house. I was like, can I please just chill out here? She's like, yeah, I got to go to work, but you know, here she let me in and I, just sat on, like, I was on her floor screaming at the universe and God and creator and whoever was there. And I just said, why, why do you have me here? I like, this is awful. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Take me out already. Fucking take me. I was like begging to die. And in that moment I had a vision or a hallucination. Some may say, of a being that was before me as I was on my literal knees, um, wrap itself around me. And I felt 
all the blood rush from like, I just felt like the bottom of my feet all the way up to the top of my head. And I was like, yes, I'm finally going to go. I was so excited to finally be done. And I passed out and it felt like my head was on fire. Like when you eat a ton of hot chilies, it was like, (laughs) yeah, I passed out. I woke up hours, hours later and it was dark out and I was still alive. And I actually felt physically the best I've ever felt in my life. I should have felt like dog shit. Um, and then my friend comes home and she's like, Hey, my landlord's like, not cool with like, you know, you keep staying here. They're getting like annoyed. And I was like, no problem. Um, I went to the library to use the computer. Cause I didn't have a computer. I looked online and there was a new metaphysical store hiring readers on Craigslist. And I was like, fuck it. And it was in Venice. So I emailed, they're like, come on in for an interview, your interview, you have to do a reading. Mm-hmm. At, so Craigslist twice, I got that job interview. And then I also answered a room for rent Okay, that week. I got a room for rent and I got hired at this new metaphysical bookstore that opened at the time they hired me on the spot and I had never cold read for someone that wasn't a referral. And it was terrifying because she was Ray Charles's granddaughter. And she was just like, Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, and she was giving me nothing like no indication. I was like, she, in my head, I'm like, she hates this. She hates this. Mm -hmm. But at the end she was like, Oh my God, you're hired. She was the manager. And then I ended up working there for 10 years. Um, wow. And it changed the course. I mean, everything was brand new. It wasn't like intentional. Now, again, resistance. This isn't going to be my life. This isn't going to be my work, right? When it changed for me, like when I actually started to go, oh, this is, this is what I'm Zay. doing. Yeah. Twenty. 15. Okay. So think 2009 Mm -hmm. to 2015. That's a good, what, six years Yeah. of being like, this isn't it. This is, this can't be it. Full denial. But what changed because in my life, I've always been an artist. And I was like, I always said, I'm going to be an artist. I don't know what I had, you know, I never visual arts always been my thing. Um, and music playing music, performing. So I never saw it as a job, like, as like, this is going to be my work, but it became my work. And when it really changed was in 20, again, 2012, I had like a midlife, not, it wasn't even midlife yet, but I had a life crisis, mental health breakdown. I ran away to New Mexico. I had visions. I came back to California uh, in 2013 and I made my first Oracle deck. And that between that Oracle deck and Instagram, it catapulted my audience and ability to reach people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it changed everything. And even though I thought it was like a fluke thing, here we are, (laughs) you know, you know, nine years later from that one deck, I've now got four decks, Mm -hmm. multiple versions and a zine 
and a book. And, you know, and it's, it wasn't until 2015, I went, oh, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, it, it took me that long to kind of understand it, but also there was no role model and there was no one to show me how to do it. Mm-hmm. There was no one to say like, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. There were plenty of people that wanted to come in and take a piece of what I was doing or, you know, take advantage of me. But that's also been a learning curve, having boundaries. And it's a huge part of what I teach as well. Wow. Um. <laughs> holy shit you know yeah it's a lot um first like that's so like it's so funny to hear that you did it for so long and it took you know I don't know how many how many signs for you to find like oh shit yeah I guess I should be doing this you know <laughs> um but it, it just it just honestly goes to show that everyone's entrepreneurial you know, self-made journey is not this like enlightening thing. No. And, and I think that there's also this like misconception that it's like, I think people who are newly awake. And when I say that, I mean, people who are just discovering their spiritual journey, who are on like in recovery to speak, we call it a pink cloud, you know, they're like, (gasps) Oh my God, this is amazing. I feel great. I'm like, like everything's love and light. And and I'm like, (laughs) and I knew from the get-go, I was like, self-healing is hell. Yeah. You have to, if you have to integrate your fucking shadow and you got to look at your, it's like looking at your feces, you know, you got to look at it all. Like it is, yes, there are moments of that beauty. And I, and I'll say like, I would never give up the fact that like, while yes, things can be very challenging and hard and painful. Like I know that I can appreciate beauty in things or feel the depth of things that some people can't because they won't allow themselves to feel pain. If you can't allow yourself to feel pain, you can't allow yourself to feel pleasure and, or you can, but it's not going to, I don't know. It's very surface to me. So it's, it's, it's been a journey. And I think that's the other thing is like, it doesn't always feel good and you're going to have a lot of doubt and imposter syndrome. And there are a lot of people I see all the time. They try to copy and paste other people's model of their business and, uh, and it doesn't work for them. And I'm like, yeah, it's not going to work for you because it's not you. Right. Like you can with the internet and social media, you can make anything look professional, but are you showing up <laughs> to that capacity? You know, um, and that takes experience and years and actual dealing with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always, I speak to those who are inauthentic, I think is someone who is truly immersed in themselves now. I can call it out, you know, and I know, you know, like you can see it and it's, it doesn't come from a place of like judgment. It just comes from a place of pity. Like I feel for them that they feel so uncomfortable in their own skin. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the fuck you mentality is totally against that. You know, it's against being what society wants you to be because we know how hard it is to sit in your pain. We know how hard it is to sit in that feces. You know, it's, it's hard to sit in that, mm-hmm. but it never falls short like those who do, like those who choose not to. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, like I hope that when people hear these types of stories, like when I, whenever I interview people and like how vulnerable they choose to be is totally up to them. Like I totally am like, hey, you feel safe talking about things by all means. If you don't, by all means as well. Right. Um, and it's, it's amazing to hear, you know, someone who, like I said, has really truly hit rock bottom and like you've shared like every little step of the way. It kind of, it lets me know like, wow, like she really has sat in her shit and like embraced every single fucking little step. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much that has transpired into your career. Cause you know that by being authentic, you can be the best reader you can possibly be, you know? And I do think that like a lot of my pain, it, it does not that I want to experience it, but I do value it because it helps me actually be able to hold space for people when they are going through it and say, I see you, mm-hmm. I might not have the exact thing that's going to make you feel better. And it's not a bandaid, but I can witness you right. and I can empathize, like truly empathize. And I like to teach people how to honor where they've been, not just them in this physical form, but even like their lineages. Um, you know, another big aspect of it, I do a lot of like ancestral reconnection work because I'm like a multiracial person and I feel like healing, like it's my job. Like it's my job in the family line to bring the support and the healing to the spaces, nooks and crannies that are not visible. Um, and that comes with another set of layers And I keep meeting more and more people that are those kind of designated healers in their family lines too. The ones who Mm -hmm. say, we're not doing this anymore. We're breaking this pattern, this chain. And that's not a fun role to be in either because you get demonized a lot for making waves Mm -hmm. or saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Or no you fucked up. <laughs> We're gonna let's course correct now. And how do we make this right? You know? And when you live like in that resistance and contrast of existing, like I always say, I am, you know, I am from people who have been colonized and people who are colonizers, you know, I'm from people who were slaves and slave owners Like there is contradiction in my bloodlines that come from a place of dis, and it's a constant war within myself to be here. And that like learning the most painful and excruciating way um, and the shame and the audacity to come up at the same time It's like a walking contradiction. I should not exist. I literally should not exist, but I'm here. 
And that's on so many levels. And I've tried to take myself out numerous times and I'm still fucking here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, something's planned. I'm here for a reason. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck is a reason? Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's again, it's, there is a lot of beauty amongst, it's like that whole no mud, no lotus mm-hmm. phrase, right? So. What a time. Uh, what a time to be alive. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just listening in all of you and just in all of your, your journey, dude. It's, I mean, it's so like, I don't know. It's just refreshing to, to hear people actually be this raw. Mm. I would say like, I really don't mind sharing. Like I don't mind sharing at all. There are things, like I said, that I, I feel like my next thing to not be ashamed about sharing. <laughs> Cause you're like, Oh, you talk about like bankruptcy. You've talked about being homeless. I'm like, I don't give a shit drug, whatever. Like I'm very open. The hardest thing for me to talk about is my like personal connections and mm-hmm. like love. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that one day I get to a place where I can be as open and vulnerable about that stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, one journey at a time, right? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. One, one step at a time. Right. I think what's kind of beautiful though, is your kind of work uh, kind of forces you into these kinds of things. Um, and I feel like a lot of people, I just had like an epiphany. A lot of people kind of have those jobs. You really, really think about it because being an entrepreneur and being self-made requires a level of vulnerability with people at all times, regardless of what kind of job you do. Yeah. You know, creating a card, you know, that is a very intimate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with being an entrepreneur and being self-made requires a level of self-awareness and requires a level of growth internally, uh, to truly be successful, mm-hmm. successful, quote unquote, you know, <laughs> um, but what's, I don't know, what's kind of cool about your, your, like your line of work, like you're able to share that all the time. Yeah. And you've created your own success out of that just by being you. Mm. Isn't that cool? Like just by, just by you existing. Right. Well, and that's, that's the dream, right? It's like, and I, I'm really aware of like, that's a pretty fortunate thing to be like, and I've always like, I just want to be my, I want to like, if I'm going to be like making a living and existing, I want to do it as myself. And not everybody gets to do that. So I am aware of that is a fortunate thing that not everybody gets to experience, but it's not that I've never experienced working for other people. I've worked many jobs, many jobs since I was 16. And when I was 16, I had two jobs. (laughs) To me, it's about freedom. Mm -hmm. My whole life, I didn't care about anything but being free. So yeah, I worked for my first job, my first two jobs I got, I worked for city hall as a uh, data entry person for the tax collections department. Wow. <laughs> yeah. In Cranston, Rhode Island. What a job. I literally sat there and entered people's check payments for their water taxes. And then I worked at Kentucky fried chicken. And my whole thing when I was 16 was you need freedom. You cannot rely on anybody. No one's taking care of you. No one's keeping you safe. You need to get out as fast as you can. And you need to be able to be responsible for yourself. 
and that, that it didn't matter what I was doing. Um, it just mattered that I had freedom. And that's the thing as also like a business, like, you know, being an entrepreneur and like having my own business and practices and things is it's, it's always been about my freedom Mm -hmm. and putting art into the world or balance, you know? Um, cause if I don't have that and that's what, when sometimes it gets hard with my work, because if I feel like my work is strangling me, like it's too much, I will flip the table and be like, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I have to have freedom in everything that I do. Um, and I understand it's not accessible for a lot of people. And there's a lot of things I've had to sacrifice in the name of keeping that freedom. Mm-hmm. I've had to let a lot of relationships go. Mm-hmm. I've had to let a lot of um, comfortable jobs and financial security go. Um, so it's always grass is greener, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've had to let consistency go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, so yeah, I don't have time for anything else. And that, that's a problem. That can be a problem too. Mm-hmm. Is like, we have to learn how to take care of ourselves, make time. Like there'll be times where I go, Oh my God, did I eat today? Right. Yeah. yeah. I, for, I don't know how to feed myself. There's a lot of things that I don't know how to do. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know how to do this, this, and this, but like, I don't know how to do that. And people are like, Oh, but that's so easy. I'm like, is it? So I think it's like finding balance and everything that you do and you know, finding what works for you, but also I really want to treat this life with a little more, um, reverence Mm -hmm. because I've spent most of my time, not in reverence. I spent it mostly in survival and like, I'm 45 now. I want this next chapter half the second half of my life. I want it to I want it to not be in survival mode anymore. I want to thrive. I want to enjoy what I worked so hard to create, you know, and that looks different for everyone. For some people, they might think I'm living irresponsibly because I don't have a mortgage or um, a partner or a family or, you know, uh, what do they call them? Those like. I can't even, you cash them out. Like, you know, like retirement. 401k. 401k. Yeah. Like retirement. Yeah. Like I, but at the same time, I'm like, for what, for what, maybe I'll get there, but is that stuff going to even be here in 10 years? I don't fucking think so. I don't think any, all these, (laughs) all these systems and structures are, they're all going extinct. So, <laughs> and you know, it's not to say that we don't celebrate those who follow a different lifestyle because it's, you know, totally. we do, you know, and they deserve like their own credit. But ultimately, like by being in these types of positions, you have a choice and right. that's what you wanted to do. Totally. And that's something that entrepreneurs need to remember is that you have, you always have a choice yeah you are not ever at the um fuck I'm drawing a blank on the word that I want to use you're never at the mercy 
of other people, you know, people reach out to you specifically because they want a reading or they want to purchase your book. So they want to purchase a class or like, you know, use your services, but you are not at the mercy of them. They're at the mercy of you. That that's a big lesson though, too, because it took me years to understand that too, because mm-hmm. I would run myself ragged to yep. accommodate people, people please, and just only base my value on other people's perception of how available I was. And, and I can't, I, it, it was killing me. It was mm-hmm. depleting me in every aspect. And I was resentful and I was in pain and I was sick all the time because I was, I had no boundaries mm-hmm. and I was just letting people take. Um, and now it's at the point where it's like, I have to set up. I always tell people like, do you want a reading right do you want to, do you want a good reading or do you want a reading right now? Right. And I say that with love, I say that with care because it's like, do you want the best version of me to hold space for you? Or do you want me annoyed because you are up my ass in crisis meltdown mania mode and entitled thinking you're entitled to my time and energy right? because you're in pain and you're wailing because like, of your own self-infliction. Right. For most people. Yes. For most people. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, you know, we could go on and on and on and on and on about this, but there, I, you know, we, we'd be here all day. Um, <laughs> I do, I do. I want to, I want to end this on a, on a note where, you know, what is something that a, you can give the listeners to, to remember, or like, what's like one key piece of words, a phrase, you know, advice, whatever. I hate the word advice, but just something that really resonated with you. That was like your aha moment that you have carried with you through this journey. Ooh, loaded. I know. I'm <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Um, I, like, I don't know. Some guys blue. <laughs> I think. Okay. This might seem basic, but for me, I feel like there's always a hesitancy or an, I'm sorry, not hesitancy, uh, urgency, right? For us to constantly be making the next decision. And what we're doing when we do that is we're forcing ourselves to create an outcome without allowing ourselves to be surprised. And the other thing is, I want you to leave room to be surprised, whether it's leaving room to be surprised by other people's actions or how they show up and not holding them to an old story based on your past experience. And that's hard. That is hard because we're always, especially if you are a person that if you have been traumatized or you have pain in your past, you're always on the hunt and the lookout for danger because you don't want to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, you preemptively cut down and shut down opportunities that could potentially be really good for you. And my other thing that I like to tell people is, and again, and this is where I was thinking of like kind of basic, it might be basic or common knowledge, but for me, if it is not a hell yes, it is no or not now. It's not a no, always the door slams, but maybe the timing isn't right. So if you are someone who's 
like, oh my God, what's my purpose? I want to do this. I want to do that. And nothing is happening or you're perceiving it as like, it's not happening at the exact time and the momentum you want. It might not mean that it's not your way to go. It just might mean you need more information or there needs to be more time or life experience before you go there. So if you are having trouble deciding, like, say you're like, you know what? I want to go take, I want to go change my life. And I want to go do this for a living and everything in your body is like, yes, that is a full bodied. Yes. If you're like, I'm like everything in you is like not lining up. You're feeling afraid. You're feeling it tight. And you ask yourself, why am I having anxiety? Is this actually my calling or is it just not the right time yet? You know? So, and again, not every no is a hell no. It's just like, maybe not yet. Um, so maybe just use that, especially when people are panicking and freaking out and thinking they have to make a decision just because I know the last couple of years, we've all felt like we've been in idle mode Mm -hmm. and we just want something to move forward. And I'm, I am 100%, um, triggered and activated by that too. Like, I just want to keep moving forward, but sometimes you can't, sometimes you just have to sit and let things shift around you as you've changed, let the things around you shift. And until then, you know, go get your hair done, go do something else that physically symbolically supports this new reality you're creating. Yeah. Just be present with it. Just allow it to exist. Patience is super hard. I, I have Mm -hmm. none. Yeah. So I know it's, it's, I've got lots of lessons in patience. Mm -hmm. Same. (laughs) Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Excuse me. I keep yawning. I think I'm yawning because I'm hungry. It's a weird thing that I do. Um, <laughs> weird, right? I'm like, okay. I know I'm starving. You don't need to keep yawning. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of peace in all of that. And I think, you know, I, I'm a big believer of not setting expectations because it'll lead to, you know, let down and also just being present for what you have because, you never know what's right around the corner. You never know when shit's just going to flare up. And then the next thing you know, you're booked, busy, blessed. And you're like, holy shit, I had no idea this was going to happen. You know, right. so it's important to kind of appreciate every step of the way. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great way to put things. Very, like, beautifully said. Thanks. Thanks for having Marcella, me. Marcella, it was a <laughs> absolute pleasure to have you on here. Um, I'm going to put all of her links and everything below take a look at her stuff, go get, go get, just buy everything that she has to offer. I'm just here to tell you. Um, she actually gifted me, which was very, very kind of her, uh, one of her candles. And she explained to me how it works, how this specific entity protects me. Um, and also a book just about, I think how I summarize it, I might be wrong. I summarize it as if I would read this book and I'm going to read this book to help me explore my journey with spirituality, like how it works, how I can use it with myself, like things I can do at home that are easy for me to understand who is new to the, to the world. Right. Well, yeah, that I really look at it as like, that was, that's the cutting the cord zine that I put out and it's, it's baseline stuff. So it's not, it's not like super, it's not super wordy or like an academic book. It's like a pamphlet and it's, it's to get you a baseline. Like, like if you were to take like a fitness class, right. It would be your intro. Yeah. Intro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how, yeah. That's how I've been explaining it to the girls. Cause everyone was like, what is that? And I was like, don't touch it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, guys, just check her out. She's our relationship has been really cool. Just like being able to connect each other as you know, as stylist and consumer, and just it's incredible how when you don't pass judgment on people, the relationships that you're able to create. Um, mm. And it's important with us as those who are in the entrepreneurial field. You know, we too are still humans. We too still have feelings and share emotions and have good days and bad days. It's important to give ourselves grace as well as other, some of our colleagues and be there for our colleagues too. Hey man, <laughs> you're being really shitty with your boundaries here lately. You know, be the person to call them out and be the person to kind of help them because sometimes they don't have those people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you everybody so much for listening to another episode of the fucking mentality. This is Marcella Kroll. Um, by the way, she only has one Instagram account. I just want to put that out there. I'm going to oh, put yeah. that one Instagram account in the bio guys. If anybody else, if anyone you, reaches out to you and anybody. DMs you for a reading anyone block them. They are a scammer. I have one yes. account. No reader, no legit reader is going to DM you for a reading. Um, so yes, her information will be in the bio guys. Like I said, block anything. I know it's really weird, but she deals with a lot of accounts that fucking mimic her, which is really, really strange. I dealt with one today, which is ironic. Um, but without further ado, guys, thank you so much for listening and, um, make sure you subscribe, check us out and we'll see you not next week, whenever the hell I upload again. <laughs>